What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com, and I'm your host, Gordon Burkell, and this episode, we're going to be talking to Alex Amick. Alex is the editor of The Muppets Haunted Mansion, which I highly recommend, whether or not you have kids. It's a great show to watch. Uh, It's on Disney+, and you can go check that out. We're going to sit down and talk about everything Muppets today, so if you're into Muppets, you're going to really enjoy that. Let's get right to the show. Where does your life with Muppets begin? Were you someone who watched Muppets as a kid, or is this like... No, uh, I'm definitely a Muppets fan from childhood, definitely. I grew up with Muppets Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island. Um, I think Muppet Treasure Island is probably my favorite of the movies, for sure, Mm -hmm. for sure. The first time I worked with them was probably... Eight years ago, they did a sketch called Food Truck Fight between the Swedish chef and Gordon Ramsay. (laughs) And I was um, an assistant editor and DIT on that. And so I went to set and had the incredible experience of actually seeing Muppets Muppet. And I mean, it's, it's a very surreal thing because Like I said, I grew up with them. Kermit the Frog is Kermit the Frog, you know, and Miss Piggy is Miss Piggy. And then you get to set and you see that it it is a puppet and there is a person under that puppet. But the performers are so good at what they do. They've been doing it for so long. They know the mannerisms of their specific puppets so well that you'll notice that they keep the puppet alive in between takes if it's just Mm -hmm. a quick like reset and so people talk to them and give them direction of what to do or change and people start to just talk to the puppet as (laughs) if the performer isn't even there and it's just so strange that you find yourself just looking at the puppet and the magic of the Muppets is not ruined by seeing actual performers, which is very, very cool. Which Christmas special did you see? You said Christmas Carol, but there's also the Christmas special. The Muppets Christmas Carol with uh, Michael Caine as Scrooge. Because there was one when I first met my wife, I was like, oh yeah, Christmas Carol. And she's like, no, there's a Christmas special. And I was like, what are you you talking about? And we searched for it. It's so hard to find. And it's like, we found like a VHS looks terrible and we watched it but i haven't seen it yeah but i have heard of that one yes how do you like to read your scripts and determine how Mm -hmm. you're going to approach the cut when i first read the script i try very hard to just read it for story it's really hard because my brain's already trying to work but i try to just absorb what's happening and then the second time i read the script i'm kind of translating it visually in my mind. And normally I don't talk with the director before this, so I don't know if what I'm seeing in my head is what the director is seeing, what the footage is that I'm going to receive. But I think that's a good thing because Mm -hmm. that's kind of my job to not listen to what they shot. But I, I think I start kind of in my head pointing out some problem areas, not necessarily with story or script or anything like that, but just 
this is going to be difficult to show on screen. How do I think I'm going to be able to do that? And okay, this is cutting from this location in the mansion to that location in the mansion. How are we going to keep that thread of suspense when we're cutting in between different characters? And, you know, just kind of keeping all of those things in mind and just kind of forming a strategy in my mind and then taking those kind of things that I know will be challenges and go taking to the internet and Netflix and all of those things and trying to find examples of those things that I've liked or have done something similar in the past that I can be as prepared as possible before I actually receive the footage. You mentioned, you know, like looking for scenes that might be challenging. What was one of the challenging scenes in this? The most challenging was the kind of back third once Pepe and Gonzo split up. We're jumping between two locations, two storylines. We're cutting between jokes. We're cutting between scares. And so I knew reading the script that that was going to be difficult no matter what, just to keep up the momentum of that part of the story, the emotional thread of Gonzo's storyline, the comedy and, you know, tension thread of Pepe marrying a bride that wants to eat him, (laughs) you know? So I knew reading it that that was going to be difficult. And it was, but it was also very rewarding because that was one that it read really well. It read, okay, this is when we should cut out of this scene, cut out of that scene. And then they shot it and they made some changes, which is not unheard of, but they made some pretty large changes to that section. And then we really found that scene order in the edit and Mm -hmm. like when exactly to cut out of one scene into the next. So it was very rewarding going from, okay, this is going to be the problem to I'm really proud of how we solved that problem. It feels like also the challenge would be the balance, right? Like if you stay too Mm -hmm. long with Gonzo, the audience is going to forget what's happening or have trouble with the transition back. Like, did that change at all from the script in in, in the edit suite? Yeah, I mean, that was always a concern. I think the original script order, if you read it, it works really well. And I think that a lot of people don't think about how you read a script is not how you see a movie. Mm -hmm. And so you can absorb a lot of words. There can be context clues in a script that remind you of what's going on. But when you're watching a film, no one's saying, okay, remember, we're interior, mirror room, you know, all of these kinds of Mm -hmm. things. So that's always a challenge, no matter what. And then it definitely became obvious that although it was working when we were coming back to Gonzo or when we were leaving Mm -hmm. Gonzo could be better and could be clearer, or I think mainly could add more tension to his journey and definitely kind of up that creep factor because that that sequence in particular is terrifying with (laughs) the decrepit old gonzo and his journey through his fears and all of that so yeah it's just something that you kind of have to keep in mind and watch and watch and watch and, and listen to feedback and they watch and watch and watch and it just becomes you know, a jigsaw puzzle that you take apart and put back together, take apart and put back together in a different way. And it's all about just trying everything. You brought up a good point of the scary part with Gonzo. What are the discussions like about adults are going to be watching this, but a lot of yeah. kids are going to be watching this yeah. too. I think a lot of that discussion was, um, happened 
before it came to me, just in general of the uh, script writing of how creepy things can get. But then we saw that puppet and oh my gosh. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I did not know what it was going to look like. And um, I was on a live Zoom feed of the set and that thing came up into screen and and oh it I was just oh my gosh nightmares yeah I mean I think it's a fine balance we wanted it to be as creepy as possible for children Hmm. so I think sometimes we pushed very hard into creepy and then we kind of trusted those with children to kind of feel like no or you know what they got freaked out right here but it didn't sustain that freaky and then other times especially with gonzo in the mirror there were a couple different ways they shot kind of revealing that old Hmm. puppet the what we have in there now is the creepiest it's like follows him and then reveals from behind him and he sees himself the same time we see him that is the creepiest version but at one point we changed it just to see okay what's a less terrifying version and it just wasn't as good and we were like you know what i think they're gonna you know they they can handle this they can handle it they can do it yeah and, and i think it just comes down to what's best for the the piece itself because you know, it was never written to be absolutely terrifying. So mm-hmm. if we pushed something too far, it would stand out anyway. So it's always had to be on the creepier side, but never straight horror. With the woman who wants to eat a prawn. Oh, Pepe. Pepe. How dare you? He'd be so offended. I know, I know, because that was good. <laughs> one of the running jokes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There was this little thing, and I was wondering if you did that in the Avid or if it was sent off somewhere, but it's sort of like when she's talking to him, she sort of vibrates or like separates. Was that something you did in post? Mm -hmm. Was that something discussed beforehand or something you discovered in post? It was something we discovered in post. Taraji P. Henson plays Constance Hatchway, the bride, um, Mm -hmm. which I didn't know was her name until... I always saw her as the bride. She did a great job. She had really good time with that character. And you watch the footage and it's very compelling. But when we were cutting it together, it didn't quite feel spooky enough. It Mm -hmm. didn't quite feel like she was compelling him and seducing him and ensorceling him. And so, yeah, we decided to try and give her just a little bit more. And so... Mm -hmm. Kirk's idea was kind of to give her a trail. I did that. I mean, it was, um, I did that temp. It was finished by a professional. Um, (laughs) But all of those kinds of effects were found in the edit. Her red eyes that glint in certain parts, that was really important to Kirk of when and where that kind of happened when she was looking particularly hungry Mm. (laughs) or murderous. As far as I know, it wasn't intended until we found that in the edit. You're talking about working with the director there. How do you like to get on the same page as the director when you first get on a project? That's a really good question. I think it kind of depends on the director they all like to work differently and i like to tailor to some respect on how they like to work but i normally don't have that many discussions with the director beforehand i think in some cases it's helpful in in case especially if they change something major while on set and 
the script mm -hmm. is going to be no help to me anymore. I like to, to talk to them about what they were thinking, why they changed what they did so that that can inform my first pass. But really I try and just do what I think the footage is telling me the first time through. And then if I have any specific questions, I'll ask, but I try to avoid that until they see an assembly cut. And then we get into, okay, you know, Kirk will say, that's very interesting. That That's not what I thought. I, we were kind of going for this when I shot it from this angle. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, understood, you know, and so we can try and change it up. And then those notes kind of inform how I move forward and address other notes, but then it just becomes a conversation. You know, I'm showing him things that he never thought of. He shot things in a way that I didn't think mm -hmm. of when I was putting it together and it builds from there. You know, other directors, I think they like to go through everything with you, scene by scene, shot by shot, and others prefer a little bit more distance. So it just kind of depends on who you're working with. How do you like to build your cuts? You know, I've talked to some editors and they like to follow the, the circle takes religiously. Mm -hmm. I've talked to others who are like, I ignore that and yeah, go with what yeah. I feel. And I've talked to others who put everything into the timeline and then slowly remove stuff. How do you like mm -hmm. to build your cuts? I think it kind of, it depends on the project and it depends on my turnaround times. I like to watch everything if I can. If it's a very, very quick, I just got, the director just has to see something, then I'll be looking primarily at circle takes and putting them in. But if they don't work, if I don't like them, then I will make the decision to swap it out. And a lot of times they don't ask for the circle take back because that circle take of that line doesn't match the circle take of the line it came before. And so it's mm -hmm. it kind of depends, really. Editors view assemblies in different ways. I view it as a way to show the director kind of this is everything that you shot. In some scenes, I might take some big swings knowing that wasn't what they intended. But overall, I kind of give them, OK, here's here's your footage and here's a couple different directions we can go in. Which one do you mm -hmm. want to follow? You mentioned that in between big projects, you'll cut trailers for Netflix. What are some of the things you've learned from cutting trailers that you bring into bigger projects? Pacing is one thing. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's obviously a very different type of pacing, but I think um, clarity really, because you know, if I'm working on a 15 second spot that mm -hmm. has to tell someone what this movie is or what this product is or, you know, or anything, there is a script or sometimes there isn't a script. I have to be extremely diligent about clarity, about narrative, about story. And I think that's personally um, one of my strengths, latching onto a narrative and overall arc and development throughout something. So I think that the mini super condensed exercise of tell a story in less time than it takes me to answer this question. Um, <laughs> and that has helped in longer form. Is there a trailer that you're particularly proud of? You know, it's not a, tra it wasn't a trailer. It was like a content marketing piece that was for Apple TV's Stillwater. It's a mm -hmm. preschool show. It's very cute, actually. And I think that uh, adults should watch it because it's very zen and very relaxing. Um, but we did this huge interactive 
piece for children during the pandemic and mm -hmm. it was about focusing on your breath and meditation and music and emotions and it was very like lovely to work on and then also it was very rewarding because a lot of the executives at all of the companies that were working on it showed it to their children and would send us videos of them <laughs> just like doing these breathing exercises and, and doing yoga and it was just exactly kind of what we all needed at that point in the pandemic mm -hmm. and so it's not a flashy thing but it was definitely one of the things that i think we did a really great job on and i'm proud to have worked on it it's it's interesting because my daughter is obsessed with she does the yoga and the breathing mm -hmm. stuff and then the other show she's obsessed with is bluey which came out. i don't know if you've seen that i haven't seen that one. Oh no. my god it's each episode's seven minutes mm-hmm and it is a short film that you can wow. watch. And it's just wow. about this dog family. And each one has like really beautiful stories. For That's it. amazing. And... I love that. I love yeah. that. Now I have one last question that I ask mm -hmm. all the editors I interview. What would you say is your favorite guilty pleasure film to watch? <laughs> you know, I, I'm a fan of the podcast. So I knew that you were going to okay. ask me. As soon as I knew that I was going to do the interview, I was like, oh my gosh. He's going to ask me, what's my guilty pleasure? And the first thing that popped into my head, which I think is very on brand right now, is the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion movie. <laughs> 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 um, I, I don't think it's my year-round guilty pleasure mm -hmm. movie. I, I would say that um, on a like favorite movie, it's still Magnolias. Okay. But for Halloween season, and the first thing that popped into my head was Eddie Murphy's Haunted Mansion, <laughs> which I didn't even intend to link to what I'm working, what I just worked on. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting about what you worked on is there's a bunch of parts that are from the Disney Haunted Mansion, right? yes. with the walls going up, the mm -hmm. piggy and Miss Piggy and the thing how much were you a fan of the ride before you yes i was it was it's actually my favorite disney ride hmm. i don't go to disney that often but i i have very fond slash terrified memories of the haunted mansion um <laughs> and the stretch room and screaming and so it was really fun to edit the stretch yeah. room with a screaming goat and yeah no i i hadn't been in a very long time so it's very fortunate for me that people record their journeys on disney rides mm -hmm. so i was able to watch a lot of people's just youtube and like facebook videos of the ride to kind of remember and remind myself what parts of the the movie were referencing parts of the ride mm -hmm. and that definitely helped inform how we were going to play certain things it never dictated but it was fun to pay homage to certain parts and we were able to we worked very closely with wdi mm -hmm. um, especially they worked very closely with the design team obviously but we were able to use a lot of the sound effects from oh, cool. the rides which was really fun to just be like yeah yeah that raven you hear in the graveyard mm -hmm. is the raven you really hear in the graveyard so i felt like that was a fun way to put the ride subtly yeah. in there 
You didn't use the goodbye, goodbye at the end. <laughs> oh, she's there. She what? She says, "Hurry back." Yeah, yeah, hurry, hurry back. back. That's it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for letting me interview you today. Yeah, thank you so much. This was great. So that was my interview with Alex. I want to thank Alex for allowing me to interview her. I'd like to thank Disney Plus for setting this up. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.